This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Emily Campagno. I'm Guy Benson. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, September 6, 2023. I'm Chris Foster. The Chinese government has some of its own people posing as tourists spying inside the United States. This is the great challenge of ours in this century, and uh, we better be up to the task. But the first thing to do is call it what it is. It's a Cold War. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Fewer departments and fewer officers across the country are leaving some cities and counties struggling to find those willing to protect and serve. They're not responding to certain calls for hours, if, if ever. And some of those are person crimes, and that's the scary part. We just don't have the bodies to respond to those. And I'm Carol Markowitz. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Chinese tourists crossing into a missile range in New Mexico, scuba diving near a government rocket launch site in Florida, claiming an online map sent them onto a military base in Alaska. There are dozens of incidents in recent years reported by Fox, USA Today, and now recently the Wall Street Journal, where people are caught spying for the Chinese government. They usually just play dumb and are sent on their way, with no crime to prove except maybe trespassing. They often threaten people uh, based on uh, taking action against their family back in mainland China. Wisconsin Republican Mike Gallagher chairs a House committee on competition with China and serves on the Intelligence Committee with Florida Republican Mike Waltz. This is just part of the, the avalanche of espionage, of Chinese espionage that we are under right now. They're both on Fox. The Chinese government embassy in D.C. calls the spying allegations groundless and ill-intentioned. They were both on Fox. The Chinese embassy in D.C. calls the spying allegations groundless and ill-intentioned. What we really have to emphasize here is that China runs a spectrum of operations against us. Fox News contributor Dan Hoffman's a retired CIA station chief and senior executive clandestine services officer. Some of them are extremely of the cloak and cloak and dagger espionage variety where they want to keep them super secret. Those are penetrations of our government, for example. And then at the other end of the spectrum are just sending waves of tourists at military facilities with flimsy cover stories like they were looking for the McDonald's, which just happens to be inside an Air Force base. But they do that because in both cases, they're able to collect intelligence. And even when they're a bunch of Chinese tourists, you know, they're collecting some basic intelligence on how the U.S. military base would respond in the event of intruders. And that's of help. The other thing that they're doing to us is they're causing us to spend a lot of resources. That's our counterintelligence uh, teams and military police and others who have to deal with this. It takes them offline from doing other things like tracking Chinese businessmen who really are stealing our secrets and our intellectual property. So that's what they're doing, Mattis. They're, they're flooding the zone with, with espionage operations. Yeah, I was going to say, so it's, it's almost like a nuisance operation. I mean, tourists don't get access to secret military information on public tours, or even people trying to sneak onto bases are going to encounter security. So is this China just, it's just throwing people out there, relatively low cost, relatively low risk, just hoping to get lucky, anything that may happen to come up with is gravy, but for the most part, they're just kind of being gnats. Yeah, and also they're probing us. Uh, because, you know, they may be running other operations against us to collect intelligence. But you're right. It's it's a design to take up our time and uh, demonstrate that they can get directly to our bases. And imagine if we were at war with China, just hypothetically, 
then those tourists might be doing something entirely more nefarious. Who knows? How do we end up finding out that these Chinese nationals posing as tourists are spies and when it happens? Right. So the first problem is that we're kind of in incident response phase. In other words, they're there. They're at the Air Force base or our military base there. And we haven't stopped them beforehand. And so now we have to detain them. We have to ask them questions. We have to run their names through a database and determine whether they're actually, you know, what their background is. Presumably, none of these people has a record as a Chinese intelligence officer. They're what we would call fellow travelers just doing the work of Chinese intelligence. Because remember, there's a Chinese law on the book signed 2015 that anyone, any business, any business person uh, who is called upon to provide information to China's intelligence service must do so. And so that's what these people are doing. And it's very similar to what China does by having their overseas police stations. There's a whole lot of those operating all over the world, including in the United States. And they're tracking dissidents and they're mounting propaganda operations, influence operations. This is China's effort to control the battle space worldwide. And frankly, we're not pushing back strongly enough. I assume if anything, these people get hit with, you know, trespassing or whatever it is, like anybody else, or they're just let go and said, you know what, this McDonald's is not for you. Um, And then they just go on their way. This is China using our wide open freedom against us. And yes, we're a nation of laws. And so if an American citizen... If you or me were to happen to walk into, let's say, Fort Leavenworth, the, the base, the Army Command General Staff College is there. And if we, we made a mistake and went up to the gate, they'd say, hey, this isn't where you need to be. And we would apologize and go on our way. And there's no lawful reason to detain us or, or anything else. And so the, the, the Chinese government knows that. And that's what they're using. They've got, again, sort of a flimsy cover for cover for action story where they're saying, oh, we were looking for a hotel or a place to eat. But, you know, that that's. That still are, the rule of law in the United States is going to give them uh, kind of the opportunity to get away with that to a point. And there's not a whole lot we can do about it. Well, and I also imagine that this this operation could not work the other way. If we if we you know try to hook up American, if the CIA tried to recruit American tourists in China or people doing business <laughs> in China and said, hey, you know what, take a couple wrong turns and, and, and see what you can see, maybe take some cell phone pictures, I imagine it would not go quite as well for those Americans there as it does for the Chinese here. No, uh, it would go straight to jail. And that's the difference between our, our two countries. You know, the United States, we enjoy freedom and liberty and democracy here. And China is a brutal dictatorship. And there are no rights. There are no free. There's no freedom of assembly there. There's no freedom of speech there. And so anyone who is uh, is caught anywhere near a, a facility of interest, it was that way in Russia as well. It's, it's the same way there. You know, you're going to face uh, jail time unless you have diplomatic immunity, which is an entirely different sort of a situation. I mean, as far as you can tell, as far as you can tell me, I, I imagine that the human intelligence aspect stuff, this low level stuff on the ground in China is a lot or in Russia is a lot harder there. I, I assume I presume there could be um, American employee or employees of American companies who are doing work of the CIA or or people who are planted in American companies. But again, I assume that that work is a lot more difficult. Look, yeah, the way that we have to recruit spies and steal secrets in these so-called denied areas like Russia and China, uh, North Korea and Iran, it's extremely difficult. It's extremely risky, but we do it. And we do it with extraordinary tradecraft. And that's the super secret sleuthy part of, of, uh, of CIA operations. We get it done, but it's nothing. It's obviously not a level playing field because our enemies get to come over to the United States and enjoy relative freedom of movement. Now, on the plus side, 
they come to the United States and they realize that they're trying to destroy something that they actually value themselves. And that's how we get a lot of defectors. It's how we get a lot of Chinese and Russians and others who say, hey, this brutal dictatorship in in Russia or China just isn't for me. And they come over here and they tell us the truth about what's going on. Now, it's certainly not beyond the realm of possibility. The FBI could bring these Chinese so-called tourists in and, and learn exactly how they were tasked to go to the military base that they went to and work their way back. But again, doing something to stop it is, is pretty challenging. Uh, and it's, again, as you correctly point out, it's not a level playing field at yeah. all. Uh, besides what's not made, some of it obviously, most of it is not made public. Can you tell me about any damaging Chinese spying incidents that have been caught and made public in recent years, things that we have been able to uncover that either did damage or could have done damage? So I, I you know, I encourage listeners to do a little research on um, Devil's River in, in Texas, where Chinese businessman sought to buy land overlooking Laughlin Air Force Base. So it was supposedly a windmill farm. But again, it's the same thing as Chinese tourists. It's a flimsy cover for action to give this businessman an opportunity to have overlook of an Air Force Base that, that is extremely important to our national security. That's what they're doing. And again, they flood the zone on the off chance that somebody's going to make a mistake and they're going to collect some intelligence that they maybe didn't expect to collect. And they use up a lot of our time in running each of these things to ground and stopping them. And they're testing us and probing us along the way. And and if anyone is wondering whether we're in a Cold War with China, I'm sorry, let's just call it what it is. It's a Cold War. They are a dictatorship. They are pushing dictatorial ideology all over the world. Uh, they are mercantilists. They are trying to exploit the world with their Belt and Road Initiative and, and use debt trap diplomacy to force countries to uh, to support them diplomatically uh, and militarily. And this is the great challenge of ours in this century. And uh, we better be up to the task. But the first thing to do is call it what it is. It's a Cold War. Since the Chinese government isn't just the government, it's also so tied to industry there, you know, presumably, supposedly private industry. How much crossover is there between military espionage and corporate espionage? It's 100% military-civilian fusion the tightest links you could ever imagine. You know, in the United States, the greatest thing we have going for us is innovation, extraordinary freedom of opportunity and a free market and free ideas. And so people are are scientists uh, and engineers are developing new product, new technology. China can't do that. So they have to steal our technology, which is what they've done, billions and billions of dollars worth of it. Uh, You look at their stealth aircraft. It's a knockoff of ours because they stole the technology. Because they don't have innovation, because they are in a dictatorial communist regime, they they just can't do what we do. And uh, and that's why they fuse their military and their civilian uh, forces together. Now, Xi Jinping, he studied Marxism. Uh, you know, that's what his background is. And he's tried to impose impose ruthless ideological control over his country, much to the detriment of their economy. As we see, China's economy has been struggling. Uh, and I think that's going to be the challenge for China in this century is the fact that they don't want to give their business people the freedom that they should have to conduct business because they want ideological control over them. That's going to mean that they just aren't going to be very strong economically at the end of the day. And we need to make it harder for them, not easier. Dan Hoffman, Fox News contributor, former CIA chief of station. Dan, good to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Carol Markowitz with your Fox News commentary coming up. During one week in July in which this podcast focused on crime in America, we spoke with Rafael Mengual, who tracks crime data at the Manhattan Institute, among other things. And we asked him what he hears the most about from current and former law enforcement members. A lot of places around the country are still seeing, and they've been seeing this since even before 2020, is a real struggle with attracting new high quality hires to take these jobs as police officers and to retain the experienced uh, officers and investigators that are you know among their ranks the police shortage is so tight in the city of austin texas people are being told to call 311 rather than 911 if they've been robbed specifically at an atm the police executive research forum found officer resignations were up 47 percent last year compared to 2019 the bureau of labor statistics says employment of police and detectives is projected to grow just three percent between 2021 and 2031 which will leave more than 68,000 openings for police and detectives each year until 2031. If Clarkson doesn't urgently start taking care of its police officers, they will ultimately lose them all to other agencies at will. Clarkston, Georgia police officers recently told their city council they are unhappy. While many across the country say officer shortages are about pay, money may also be part of a larger morale issue. The head of the police union in Los Angeles recently told Fox Digital, aside from affording life in Los Angeles, the anti-police rhetoric wears you down. Low pay, $22 an hour, is what cost the town of Goodhue, Minnesota, their entire seven-member police force as they all resigned last month. Like I said, this has been three weeks now. We've got zero applicants, and I have zero prospects. I've called every PD around for the youngest guys out there getting into the game. There's nobody getting into the game. That was now former Goodhue Police Chief Josh Smith talking to the city council last month. It means the city's law enforcement services will now be provided through the county sheriff's department. I'll tell you this. I don't know if that it's quite true that nobody wants to work. The, the realization here is there aren't any people coming into our profession that can work. Marty Kelly is the sheriff of Goodhue County, Minnesota. So we have a, a two-year minimum associate's degree requirement in the state of Minnesota before you are eligible to receive your license. Um, and those numbers have drastically dropped since 2020 in our state college system, who just probably be below 50% of what we were in 2019. So we're not graduating the amount of numbers that we need for the people that are retiring. But we're, hmm. we continue slipping below the curve on that. He was saying, I mean, th this chief was talking about no one wants to work for 22 an hour i mean and and there are others around the country who have right. told their counties and their cities you know hey if you don't pay us more there are other agencies that will pay more i mean i imagine you're an agency that is going to pay more or does pay more you're, you're taking over fulfilling that that job right law enforcement in the city of goodhue that's correct and yes there are those that pay low to mid 20s and the, the standard now is is not that um hmm. they can go ahead and work at a 
at a fast food restaurant for that. Um, we have men and women that are putting our lives on the line for $22 an hour. I understand that. We, in fact, our starting is $10 higher than that. And we're just 15 minutes up the road. So yes, the, wow. they have to compete or they'll be disbanding at record numbers. And Sheriff, you know, we've heard for years now, nationally, um, not just about fewer officers, but the reasons behind that being pay as well as just generally morale being low. And I imagine low pay would factor into low morale, but, but that low mm-hmm. morale being broader during this national conversation about policing. Uh, and that, that happened, that conversation was happening well before the murder of George Floyd in, in 2020, right? Well, I think the na- it, we came on the national scene uh, just right after Ferguson, I think, mm. which was 10 or 12 years ago, at least. Um, 2014, where, this, yeah. where the sediment for law enforcement was not good. Um, we, we've built back since, and then we really took a downturn during George Floyd in 2020. And then not only did we get, uh, we got a double whammy then, but COVID happened as well. So law enforcement in, in our state and, and many others got hit double with the uh, staffing issue because of George Floyd and the, and the pandemic. I imagine there's a ceiling on how much a city or county can pay an officer, like even if it's a bit more, you know, it's not going to be astronomical, right? And that's where you hope a pension kicks in as sort of an incentive well, that you don't have to work past a certain age, right? In our state, we can we can retire at age 55, which is nice, mm-hmm. uh, but most of us still don't have insurance at 55. So some some stick it out until uh, Medicare. There's going to be proposed legislation in, in our state next year to, to see if health care can be covered at 55 to 65. But even that we still have to get the kids in the door. So we're going to try to, we have to try to get back into the schools and we're continually being pushed out of those. So we're battling each other because we have to build relationships with those kids in order for them to want to fill our shoes someday. We have never had to recruit up until 2020. So I had positions open in 2019 for one road, one road deputy. I had 40 applicants. Wow. In 2021, I had uh, four openings and I had five applicants. So that that is how the table turned in just three short years. Do, do you? But do you think that was maybe about like at that time? You know, we were everybody was getting money right from the government, and then there were there were a lot of complaints about that, right? Like, don't pay people so much and they'll go back to work, right? And then, but now it's 2023 and people aren't getting those checks like they were. Do you think that's the lingering issue? Why aren't people? I mean, um, why aren't people coming back? Well, two reasons. So, in law enforcement, on a licensed position, the kids didn't go to school, so they we don't have anybody to pick from. Um, on our other side, as we run our jails too, which isn't licensed, but let me tell you, in 2020, we were down 14 staff. We have just now come flush. Took three years to get those 14 bodies back. But but with our licensed staff, which is what we're really kind of talking about here, there used to be, like I said, in 2019, I would have 40 people for one job. Well, those other 39 would go to a good you or the smaller communities or by the way in our jails to get some experience and then come out on the road the stepping stone oh. if you will a lot of these smaller agencies were stepping stones they don't have to be anymore because a kid coming out of school is recruited by the bigger agencies uh, because there's so many jobs so oh. the stepping stones the jails there's no uh there's no 
place for them. They can go right to where they want to go. They, they can pretty much yeah. name their price. You know, that's the, that's a sad part because we do lose a lot of local kids that way. Huh. Tell me about, uh, I just want your honest, I guess, assessment of the, when we talk, when we have this national conversation about morale being low and officers being afraid, um, even with body cams on, um, about getting in trouble or doing the wrong thing or being perceived to have done the wrong thing. I mean, the, the stuff I'm hearing right now is more about money, right? That's what I'm hearing more about is, is how much can these people get paid? But is there some deterrent effect in fearing consequences or repercussions of a wrong move as an officer? Yes, and that's what, that's what George Floyd brought us. We are constantly changing our rules now uh, to fit some of that narrative where we now could be sued civilly for, I'll just say, a high-speed chase where we're prior to that we were fine we were we did it by the book and now we can be charged criminally if someone gets injured whether we even chase i mean we've had people turn their lights on on a car and they take off not we not my office but in minnesota they don't even chase this this suspect and then the suspect crashes and then they're they wanted to criminally prosecute that officer so those are the kind of things that we're dealing with that yes they they don't want that liability. There, there's so many things. Uh, they're either changing, just keep changing the rules to fit fit a narrative that isn't really conducive to what we do. We're obligated to intercede at some point, but if we do it the wrong way, we could be in trouble. And if we don't, we could be in trouble. So double-edged sword for law enforcement. So kind of we're damned if we do, damned if we don't sometimes. Yeah, I think post-George Floyd or post-Ferguson, mm -hmm. um, fearing being an officer, then that's a societal problem, right? It's not just a, one city's problem or one county's problem. It's a broader problem about how we train our officers. What do we expect of them? Do you want to see federal legislation? Do you want to see, like, what would be, I guess, ideal to address this? Well, that is that is the problem, where they're, they're constantly changing the rules and the, and the statutes, honestly. Um, and we have to rewrite our entire policy manual at times. And that's just very... Um, non-productive. That's why we're not having these kids going to school. I mean, now I'm guessing some of it is the parents don't want their children to do our mm -hmm. profession. Um, but as far as federally um, mandated, I don't, I don't think that's probably the answer because we're battling federal and state law right now in our state about the legalization of marijuana. There's there's times when when we deal we we deal with the legal part and then all of a sudden it's Controlled, controlled substance under federal law, and we can get jammed up as, as sheriffs for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, bringing, you know, if you bring a legal substance into the jail, it's still contraband, and if they want it back, if we actually give it back to them, it's now it's a, a federal distribution charge potentially. Wow. I'm not saying that would happen, but that is a legitimate concern of all of ours. Just so the, the guidelines and the statutes just don't jive. It would be best if we were sit more similar on the federal level, but I don't know that federal uh, government needs to step in and, and mandate that. We kind of know our own people, but uh, I don't have a great answer for you. Finally, I just wanted your brief thoughts on this. Um, the officer shortage being so tight in the city of Austin, Texas, they're asking people to dial 311 instead of 911 if they get robbed near an ATM. What does that tell you about the state of things if you're not even calling police when you've been robbed? That's incredibly uh, sad. I'm glad we don't live down there. 
But even in Minneapolis, we're they're not responding to certain calls for hours, if if ever. And some of those are person crimes, and that's the scary part. We just don't have the bodies to respond to those. I'm very fortunate where we live, but the narrative is still the same. We need to start getting buy-in from the citizens, and the, and we have to start mentoring those children who want to come up and be one of us someday. I mean, Sheriff, finally, what what would you want to say? Like, what do you want to tell people? Like, hey, <laughs> I'm a sheriff, and we need we need cops. Like, what's your, I guess, parting wish? To tell the story of the good things that we do. Um, mm-hmm. The news hasn't, and, and I'll say it, hasn't really been our friend in the last few years. Um, we do a lot of good. I had a young man come into my office at the peak of George Floyd asking if he should change from a business major to a law enforcement uh, major, and I struggled thinking what I'm going to tell him. But he came in and after about an hour of talking, when you've been in this profession, as long as I have, um, a lot of good happened. And we were, I was able to explain that, that the whole George Floyd kind of mentality went away. And, and I got him to, to change a major. And two years later, I'm happy to say I hired him. <laughs> but we have to, that's what we have to do. We have to tell the story of the good things that that law enforcement does. That's the only way it's going to change. Goodhue County Sheriff Marty Kelly, thank you so much for joining. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And in other news. I'm Gianna Gelosi. There are few travel problems more annoying than a flight delay. And what's worse is when your flight is diverted midair. But a fecal fiasco this week maybe takes the cake. A Delta flight from Atlanta to Barcelona, Spain, was forced to turn around and make an emergency landing after a passenger, quote, had diarrhea all the way through the plane. The Airbus A350 was just two hours into its flight when the pilot had to swing the plane back around because of what he dubbed a biohazard issue to air traffic control. Departing at 8.30 p.m., landing back in Atlanta at 10.40 p.m. The flight is typically eight to nine hours, according to FlightAware. The flight did finally make it to Barcelona at 5.10 p.m. the next day, eight hours later than scheduled. No word if the person behind the initial biohazard was on board that time. Cleaning crews were able to scrub down the aircraft once it landed in Atlanta, since flight records show it was used for another flight. Delta confirmed an onboard medical issue to Fox 5 New York, but stopped short of addressing the alleged mess. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Gianna Gelosi. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Carol Markowitz. What's on your mind? How much is Disney willing to sacrifice to the cult of woke? Earlier this month, Disney announced it is continuing to lose massive sums of money. $512 million in the most recent quarter on its streaming service, Disney+. Plus. And their one revenue-producing asset, their amusement parks, saw a downturn in attendance this summer. To combat this, Disney has not gone back to basics and focused on the family-friendly entertainment that made it an amusement behemoth. No, it's continued down its woke path to ruin, making sure to leave nothing in its wake. 
Rachel Zegler, who will be starring in a live action remake of the classic Snow White, slated to be released next year, has been on a promotional tour talking about how much she hates Snow White. Zegler has criticized the relationship between Snow White and the prince in the original movie. Quote, the original cartoon came out in 1937 and very evidently so. There's a big focus on her love story with the guy who literally stalks her. Weird, weird, end quote. Perhaps Zegler has never read a fairy tale before. Generally, the dashing prince doesn't submit a five-page letter of consent to the princess in order to wake her from the evil spell she has been put under by a witch. And 1937 is a bit more modern than Snow White's actual origins. It was first published in Grimm's Fairy Tales by the Brothers Grimm in 1812 and possibly based on folk tales from even earlier than that. Zegler finds all of that weird, weird. Many of Disney's problems stem from the company openly trying to indoctrinate children into leftist thinking. They prominently picked a fight with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis over his parental rights and education bill that stopped inappropriate materials being taught to kids in K through third grade. Then a leak of their internal meeting showed Disney executives openly discussing how to hide propaganda in their films. The Snow White brouhaha, however, goes beyond politics. Disney has long had a core audience who are willing to stick with Disney despite political disagreements. Zegler isn't just pushing the usual woke nonsense that Disney has come to embrace. She's also challenging Disney's history and attacking a beloved classic movie. Her criticisms, of course, can apply to many Disney movies. It isn't just Snow White that is saved by True Love's Kiss. Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Sleeping Beauty, and others will have to be discarded if Zegler's perspective is the prevailing one. It doesn't help that the rewrite also scraps the dwarves in favor of magical creatures of various physical descriptions. Disney fans might be okay with change, but not when it accompanies the lead actress trashing the original film. Disney fan site Inside the Magic noted the changes have ruined the film's charm. Quote, because Disney has shoehorned their first princess to fit a clunky girl boss narrative, they've stripped away all the bits and bobs that make the story magical. With no love story, no whimsical wonder and no dwarves, is it even Snow White anymore? End quote. David Hand, the son of the original film director, has said the remake is insulting to his father's work. Disney executives haven't listened to conservatives and moderates who have told them that they are destroying a beloved company. They haven't heard the pleas of parents to stop producing content meant to indoctrinate instead of entertain. Snow White will be a test whether they listen to their superfans or whether ideology will continue to trump profit for the company. This is Carol Markowitz. I'm a columnist at the New York Post and FoxNews.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.